0: We are continuing this series of recordings under the heading of Short Studies for Young Believers and continuing the theme that has already been opened in the preceding two studies in connection with the Gospel. We devoted all our time, uh, last time, on John 3.16 as a presentation of the simple issues of the Gospel that God sent his son, that the alternative is perishing or having everlasting life, and the link is believing him. Well now, it's very wise, not needed to start with John 3.16, and that's the end of it, Uh, but there's a lot more. I remember a little story being told me once, that in the early days, the birds met together in order that they may discuss The best method of building a nest. So one or two of the birds went out and found some twigs and put a few together. And the the rook, I think it was, said, Oh, I see, off he went. He never stopped to see how to build a thing. So a rookery is a rookery ever since, up to this time, you see. Well, the moral is, of course, you don't know all about the Gospel because you can quote John 3.16. You may have the heart of it, but there's a tremendous lot more. There's no reference there to the fact that righteousness is the basis of all God's saving grace, and there's many other features. So, now the first thing that I want to ask you to notice is that the word gospel is, in the Greek language, the word evangel. If you're reading the Greek itself, you'll see the letter U comes, but we generally rewrite the word for our modern pronunciation. We don't say we're going to preach the euangelion, But we say we preach the Evangel. Now, the first two letters merely mean something which is very good. And the next part means a messenger, because the word angel, you see, you, Angelos, is a message. Uh, Just before this meeting started, we read Romans, the 10th chapter. So I'm going just to repeat one little verse that we find there that stresses this thing. It says in in Romans the 10th chapter and the 14th verse, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? There you have the thought uh, that someone is sent with a message. And that, of course, ought to be very clearly understood. You and I do not invent the gospel, and try to accommodate ourselves to the times in which we live, or the circumstances of the person, we say, oh no, we are merely bearers of a message. The message has already been indicted, the message has already been sent, and we are trusted with it. We just deliver it to you. If when you open the envelope, you say, well this is rather difficult to understand, we might venture to say, well, should I read it to you? Uh, You seem to have messed up one or two of the words, or perhaps you don't quite understand the meaning of that particular passage. That's legitimate. You give a commentary on it, especially out of your own experience, and you can say, well, I know because I trusted and I found it, but strictly speaking, you only are a message bearer. You're like a postman, or perhaps you're more like a village postman who reads the postcards before he delivers them and tells the people, you've heard from cousin Nell in Canada, she sent a card. That's alright, that comes alright, but don't interfere with the message, you see. It could be as human as you like, uh, but always the fact that God sent it and is using you as a mouthpiece. Uh, you might like to know that the word anglos or angel is actually translated um, by a messenger. I've got a passage here in Matthew the 11th chapter verse 10 where we read, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold I send my messenger before thy faith. Well that messenger was not an angel. That messenger was John the Baptist. But it's the word angel nevertheless that comes in that passage. So now we've got the idea. And there's one other passage I think I would like to supplement this. It's found in that very difficult book of Job, but this is what we read in chapter 33. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness, then he is gracious unto him and said, Deliver him from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. You see, the very first thing that is said with regard to this man's terrible plight, his need of a deliverer, is someone who shall be a messenger, who shall come to him and tell him that God says, I have found a ransom. If you could only stick to that for the rest of your days, and you never said anything to anybody else, that you come to them in their desperate need, and say, I am a messenger, and I've I've, I've been accused of being a man of one-track mind, and all I can say to you is, God says, I have found a ransom. And if he never heard any more from you than that, it might start him thinking and discovering what a ransom is and what the need is and what the provision involved. It involves practically all that God has ever got to say to us about the way of salvation. But then, of course, we have to remember it's subdivided and explained a bit further than that in the Scriptures. Well, now there's a need of warning Uh, for you, uh, young believers who are beginning your study of the Word, because you may not quite be aware that in the Scriptures, God's good news may be about more than one subject. You see, at first, you will believe, if you hear someone speaking, that there's only one Gospel. I believe there's only one Gospel. You say, oh yes, that's right, I believe that too. And you mean, well, that is the same, the Gospel can only come from God. And the Gospel can only be about Christ. There's only one Gospel. But when you come to the Bible you find there's the Gospel of the Kingdom in Matthew, and you find there's the Everlasting Gospel in the book of the Revelation. And the Gospel of the Kingdom in Matthew knows not a single word about Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and the Everlasting Gospel in the book of the Revelation really points men to the Creator of heaven and earth and the sea and the fountain of waters. Not a word about faith, not a word about redemption. Now, it's all good news, kept in its right place, but it would be very shocking news if you lifted that out and said, well, it's the gospel, I'm going to preach that. So, we're going to look, shall we, at one or two of these differences. First of all, uh, will you come to Matthew's gospel, the fourth chapter, and we discover that our Saviour opened his ministry in chapter 4 by saying in verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, that was his message. Is it our message today to call upon men to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Well, we must discover. But first of all, what about this gospel of the kingdom? Let's turn a few pages, shall we, to the 10th chapter. The 10th chapter tells you of the call of the 12 apostles, and their names are all given in verses 2 to 4. I won't won't read them, I'll leave them to you. And it says, These twelve, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Now you ought to stop there. So do I. Because you, today, are going into the way of the Gentiles. And you, who are listening to me, most probably, you are a Gentile. And yet there is a prohibition at the very beginning of this preaching. So if you believe the Bible to be true, and if you believe the Gospel of Matthew is a part of the Bible and is true, then you ought to immediately say to me, well, I can't preach that, can I? And I would say, no, you're on the right track. There are Gospel messages for others beside yourself. You see, he was a Gospel message while the people of Israel were in expectancy. When the Jesus Christ was there as their long-promised Messiah, when he was preaching to them the possibility that the kingdom that he was going to rule over, and will rule over presently, was about to be set up. Well, that may have conditions about it that have nothing to do with the gospel of salvation of a poor outside Gentile who had never heard of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob or any of the kingdom promises, whatever, you see. So let's look a bit further. Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So they were continuing the ministry that Christ started. They preached the kingdom, and this is what happens. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, freely give. Now I know of one meeting that was conducted rather dramatically, where they used to quote this passage and always leave out, raise the dead. They even couldn't face that for the whole congregation to keep on saying. So don't you see, you cannot take a part of Scripture and leave the rest without distortion. Now, will you turn to the 16th chapter, where we have Peter making his confession. 16th chapter. I'll have to cut a lot of this short because of the shortage of time, but the Lord challenged Peter as to Whom do you say that I am? Verse 15. And Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he was commended as being taught by the Father. Then there comes an interval and verse 23, he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. In the same chapter, he's called Peter, Simon Peter because of his confession. He believed that he was true and in the same chapter is rebuked as being Satan. Now why? Well it says in verse 21 from that time forth began, Jesus began. These are identical with the words of Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4 Jesus began to preach the kingdom. Now it says he began This must be something new, then if words mean anything, mustn't it? He must have started something else. All right, what did he start now? To show unto his disciples how that they must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things. He must, many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Yet Peter preached the gospel of the kingdom and. if there was a person who was sick, he could heal him. If there was a person who was blind, he could give him sight. If there was a leper, he could cleanse him. And he did not know and he did not preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, for he gives evidence that he never heard of it. Neither had he. So you see, it's not true to say there's only one gospel. It is true to say that every gospel that's ever been preached has Jesus Christ as the center. But Jesus Christ as the King is a very different message from Jesus Christ as a Redeemer. Now, of course, we could go on with this. But I'll finish this aspect by looking at Mark 16. Mark 16. These closing verses... Verse 15 of Mark 16, as he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now again, we've got to stop. Is it true for us to go to everybody today and say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Suppose we say, well, this person has never been baptized. Well, we ought to say he'll never be saved. And I do know a Christadelphian who sat by his mother's deathbed and was horror-stricken at the creed he entertained because he watched his mother die. And although she had been a very conscientious believer all her life, he knew she wasn't saved because she had never been baptised. Now you see, if that's the case, I must be a sort of a civil servant type of Christian. I've been baptised three times. No, no charges there. So-called. I had a godfather and a godmother, the biggest blasphemers I ever knew as a child. What good they did to me, I don't know. But this was the real thing. This was not a travesty. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And then these who believe this truth, they were confirmed. Oh yes, I, my God, of am afraid, has been confirmed. But never been confirmed like this. Listen. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Not these signs may follow, they shall follow. Isn't there anybody listening to me in this chapel, or you, or are listening to this tape recording? Have you had these confirmations that you are a saved person? Listen. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These signs shall follow, Then they believe, and they must be baptized, otherwise they're not saved. And you'll find Peter teaches that same thing. On the day of Pentecost, he counseled them to be baptized for the remission of sins. I could never tell anybody to be baptized for the remission of sins, and neither, neither could the Apostle Paul, because writing to the Corinthians, he said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. If he'd said, Christ sent me not to baptise for the remission of sins, you see, you say, well, how are we going to preach remission of sins then? But it wasn't connected, not in Paul's ministry. You say, how tangled this is. No, I'm only warning you that the very simplest thing can have a good many facets and you do well to study and find out that which belongs to you and entrusted to you before you start Christian work at the exhortation of somebody ought to know better. Get a bit fitted for your job before, otherwise you may send a person on the wrong track. You may have a zeal which is not according to knowledge. Well, now time is moving. And so I turn to one or two other phases and ask you to consider a few titles given to this gospel, particularly that which we have to preach, not that we've got to remember was preached. And for that I go to the Acts of the Apostles chapter 20, and read verse 24. The Acts of the Apostles 20, verse 24. Paul is now facing imprisonment, but he says in verse 24, none of these things move me, neither count on my life near unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel and the grace of God. Now that's the title he gave it and he was entrusted with the dispensation of the grace of God. The gospel goes with the dispensation. That's a thing to keep much in your mind. If it's the dispensation of the kingdom, it'll be the kingdom gospel. If it's the dispensation of the grace of God, it'll be the gospel of the grace of God. And then you will notice he doesn't say that I might preach the gospel of the grace of God. He did, but he did something more. He testified it. And the word testify includes in the original the word a martyr. He was going to bear a witness to it. Not merely to tell other people but stand for it if needs be unto the death. So we must listen to this man if he's got a word to say. There is the gospel of the grace of God. Now of course I will to go into another subject what is grace but if I do I shan't deal with the subject within the limited time as I've mapped. So we'll turn the page to the epistle to the Galatians, chapter 2, just to observe this fact, that there were two sets of preachers, both in harmony with the will of God, so long as they kept to the territory given to them. Galatians 2, then 40 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation, and communicated unto them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles. Would you say that sounds as though he was going to tell tell them something they didn't quite know? Well, look further down. Verse seven. When they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me to all the Gentiles, and when James, Kephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Fatheress the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the Gentile or the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. So at Jerusalem, by the very leaders of the church, they agreed that there were two gospels one entrusted to Peter, James, and John. One entrusted to Paul and Barnabas. They agreed that they were not to to condemn each other. They were sent to two different companies with two different sets of message so that the word is for us. If you're not sure what gospel to preach, if you don't know whether to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts of the Apostles, Peter, James, Jude, or the Revelation, plump for the gospel preached by the Apostle Paul, And you'll be on right lines. For he has been picked out as the pattern, as it says in 1 Timothy. And in um, chapter 1, this is what he says about the gospel. And with that, this first talk must be brought to a finish. Chapter 1, verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be anathema. So even an angel from heaven would be withstood by Paul if he preached anything else except that which Paul had been entrusted to speak to you and to me, poor sinners of the Gentiles. For all the circumstances of our broadcasting, the limitations of our time, mean that we must stop now for a moment and then presently pick up another aspect and so complete this double uh, message for this afternoon.